Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! I don't know why, I really had to conjure that one up. My yeah. voice wasn't ready for it. <laughs> it was a good one. It was a good one. I actually like, was conscious to like not hear it as loud, if that makes sense. I didn't lower my volume. I just told my brain not to hear it. <laughs> I was really trying harder to, to back up to back up more this time, you know? Um, it didn't help. I, I know I kind of broke everyone's ears when we had Johnny on, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, Matt, oh, uh, I'm, I'm super, super excited right now because this is actually being live streamed um, out to our YouTube audience uh, via our YouTube channel. Thanks for playing. I know. I know. Um, we're, we're multimedia podcasters now. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're, we're upping, upping the, the bandwidth of our podcasts. I don't think that's the right word. And we're expanding. Um, and you know, the great thing about this is Lucas, the VODs will just be there now magically when we want them to. I know it's pretty awesome. We, We don't have to worry about us going in and editing them and maybe even the better part, perhaps, I don't know. Um, they're raw unfiltered unedited I know. so if we fuck up man it, it's they're there gonna, they're gonna well they're gonna know <laughs> they're gonna know but we will get it in post but the live recording people yeah. the people watching right now uh, all of the concurrent viewers will of course get to see our live recording get to see any screw-ups or any bloopers pretty exciting for them pretty daunting for us I, yeah exciting stuff to make us better. exciting stuff um you know it'd be sick though if one of the viewers if they left a review on the podcast on maybe iTunes or uh, maybe maybe followed on Spotify. You know, maybe maybe I'll read it out loud if they leave a review. I don't know. Could happen. Could be weird. Could be fun. Food for thought. Um, and hey, or maybe you want to give us a game suggestion. Shoot us an email. Thanks for playing pod. Gmail.com. That's right. And as always, Twitter, Instagram, TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. All right. And since we are right. since we are live streaming, thanks for the plug. We always need those Thank at the very yeah. beginning. Um, we're getting better at the plugs, I'm be honest. Um, oh, we're on Stitcher now, too. We have a Discord. Yeah, that's true. Thank you. Know, sums it up. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Uh, the Discord's very important, um, honestly. If, I, if you were to go to anything, I would highly recommend the Discord. Uh, we're going to be posting all of the live stream links there. Um, that way you get the notifications. You know, you have that Discord app on your phone you're going to get the notifications straight from me and matt definitely turn those notifications on for that particular discord channel so that every time we go live uh, on a night like tonight you can join us on our youtube channel also go to youtube and subscribe you will get those notifications about the live streams that are happening there as well feel free to join in the chat on episodes like this we will be doing q a's uh on occasion if people are uh, are in the chat and really interacting with us of course we're going to be getting down to business today doing a proper game review just me and matt uh we haven't done one of these just me and matt um feels like a little while um our last episode that came out was alan wake uh by far our longest episode and we did have a guest on that one um and uh johnny johnny panic uh in the discord server friend of, he's in the he's discord, in the discord yeah. of, official friend of the pod uh great episode um kind of the opposite game of what we're going through today uh, i might i might say very very much the opposite in terms of what kind of game it is right, right. um so drum roll please uh i don't know <laughs> i was gonna try and like i was gonna roll my like tongue to make a drum roll but that doesn't work but that's right everyone wait, wait, wait. hang on hang on we can actually oh. do a drum roll oh okay ready okay 
Oh. That's right, everyone, today! <laughs> we are talking about the number one blinking simulator before your eyes. Me 2.0 for you. And when you meet somebody, you're gonna feel the same way. Published by Skybound Games and developed by Goodbye World. Oddly, a fitting name. Um, well, you can maybe seriously, get into that later. Seriously, seriously. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, this is a twenty April twenty twenty one game. It's actually the newest game we've ever done for the pod. Um, it came out very very recently, just uh, about a month and a half ago. Um, it's already kind of getting a lot of attention uh, throughout the uh, the video game world here. And um, it's got an 8 out of 10 on GameSpot. It's got an 8.5 on Game Informer. It's got a criminal 76 out of 100 on Metacritic. I, it was disgustingly uh, low some yeah, of them. Yeah, and I, I honestly, like, what one, the hell? I think it was Edge or uh, Eurogamer gave it a 5 out of 10, and I, I just really rolled my eyes at that one there and um huh. yeah it uh for for context let's see what cyberpunk reviews got initially yeah i'm sure right? cyberpunk got more i'm sure the yearly call of duty got uh, the legally obligated uh call of duty <laughs> release uh, probably got more than that and uh yeah it just irrationally upset me kind of looking through a couple of those key review um you know key, key yeah, review publishers bizarre so yeah cyberpunk got higher and which is upsetting and i'll forever regret giving cyberpunk a eight uh, every time I give another game an eight, I'm like, I need to retroactively go back and give lower your cyberpunk, cyberpunk a six right. or a seven. Yeah, I can't believe you gave that one an eight. Uh, I had fun with it, but in retrospect, yeah. Um, but yeah, disgustingly low scores from, in my opinion, probably overly critical people um, that were maybe, I don't even want to say asking too much, but... I don't know. Just found found being aspects of the pretentious. Yeah, yeah, I think found aspects of the game that were really easy to nitpick. Um, and I think yeah. uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Some of these people just uh, they might not have been human beings. I'm going to go into that a little bit when we jump into game design. Um, uh, my initial thoughts. I'll just jump right in. Uh, I, I think. Oh, really quickly. I'll go ahead. Let's give the people oh, the synopsis. A I know. I always skip the snap. I'm sorry. The game. You get excited. I, know, I, I get know, it. It happens. They need to know what yeah, we're talking right. about first. So go ahead and give they it to them. They need to know what we're talking about. So everyone, um, as always, light spoilers will ensue within this little explanation here. And periodically, spoilers will ensue throughout the podcast as well. Something to be mindful of and to be aware of if you want to play this game. And really quickly, hello, Emre Sagir, if I'm saying your name correctly. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. That's awesome appreciate um, it all right everyone so brief explanation of before your eyes forgot the game for a sec um so benjamin brin a recently departed soul to the afterlife floats on a dark sea where they encounter a mysterious ferryman unable to speak the ferryman and benny are forced to communicate via blinking benny is unable to speak at the ferryman <laughs> the ferryman reveals that they are bringing benny to the gatekeeper and if judged well you'll be allowed to enter into the gatekeeper's paradise. But if judged poorly, you'll be turned into a seagull caw, caw, and doomed to forever roam the dark sea with the fairy man. Whoa. 
That's yeah. heavy. So, so That's the basic heavy. premise is that you are a soul brought on to the ferry and going to be taken to get judged, right? And the yes. ferryman tells you, and the ferryman has a lot of personality himself. He's an anthropomorphized fox, I guess, with like part of his ear sort of bitten off or ripped off. Um, and I thought he was dog, a dog. Whatever. He's got he's got animal like ears that are pointy, um, and uh, he kind of has like this gruff sense about him. He's sort of like a fisherman. Clearly, he's been on this boat for longer than he would care to be on that boat for, and he's a little jaded too. Yes. Um, and he basically gives you the lowdown. Hey. We're going to go through your life and see if you're willing, if you're worthy enough to get into heaven. It's kind of what he tells you. And he says mm -hmm. that every time you go through the moments in your life, starting from the beginning, if you blink, it will move forward. Okay. It could go forward five minutes, could go forward five years, but you will always move forward. You cannot stay in the same moment forever. Um, off the off the bat that's like the first five minutes of the game that's the initial setup so it's all kind of explained to you very outright uh, very clear what's going on and um it's just really really truly incredible um i i can't believe i'm, go I'm jumping into my initial thoughts now um i cannot believe what this game did to me um i had probably the most emotional reaction i've ever had to a piece of media um, I have a feeling, you know, I know that I've been more emotional in certain moments of my life when certain things have happened to me, um, heartbreak or, you know, loss or tragedy and things like that. But as far as an actual piece of media, this really, really, um, unlocked something in me. Um, I know that story is the obvious main component to an experience like this. You know, there is not a whole lot of mechanical depth and things like that. And I want to dive into the blinking mechanics a little bit later, but I do think that it would not have worked if blinking was not a part of it. Um, it's very, it's very Definitely. intrinsic. Yeah. I think yeah. it's fully tied. Um, it's just sheer emotional value for a game. And uh, I, I really, really loved it. The, the experience can't be fully had without, you know, using the webcam and using the blinking mechanics and everything like that. Um, and it's just such a phenomenal game and the way it implements that right i mean i think there'd be a lot of really cheesy ways to maybe implement blinking into games with the webcam um and to give full context everyone this game you should be if to get the full experience you want to play it with the webcam and then while you're playing it um the main mechanic like the cassette is blinking so your webcam is literally tracking your blinking and that's the main mechanic to move you forward throughout the game and it's such a unique concept and i think it's something that could have easily been glossed over in gaming and used for like a gimmick and like party games or something like that but it was implemented so well here and that's why i do want to give a little little credit to where the game I, how it was originally conceived to kind of where um it all came from originally and interestingly lucas i, I think you're gonna like this um this game kind of has a similar development cycle to one of our other favorites here on the podcast um oh Outer really Wilds. um yeah so like outer wilds and <laughs> i think i'm remembering this correctly let me know if i'm wrong but like outer wilds um this game was actually originally conceived in an intro to game development class um in 2014 over at USC. And I don't think Outer Wilds was introduced again, but USC. Oh my God, so they difference. were both introduced um, as like core, con the core concepts were both introduced in a USC. Okay, at USC. USC, yep. And a student assistant there, Will Hayworth, was talking about how he wanted to modify a game to read and respond to the player's eyes using a built-in camera, otherwise your webcam. So two students in addition to Will would then team up with um, Hellworth to develop this project surrounding this idea, which eventually you know, in a short two months, they released the very much like the, you know, alpha level version of this, um, a project called just close your, 
That was the initial running title of this game, which was Close Your. And they eventually presented it to Indiecade, and they went on to win Developer's Choice Award at that show. And it was later uh, presented at the Independent Games Festival at GDC in 2015, where it won Best Student Game. And of course, as with any indie game, um, they got noticed. People were excited. People were talking about them. So after the exhibitions and all that, they decided to start a Kickfunder to fund the project in 2016. And of course, given... Kickstarter. Kick funder, kick crowdfunding funder. Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah. So the project was successfully funded, of course. And it was, while it was originally slated for a 2017 release, you know, they really struggled with the development all the way through 2018. Um, but eventually they did receive additional funding from Riot and they were able to continue to work on developing this game to bring it to the product that we have today. Awesome. So what we have today, Lucas, is a seven-year <laughs> development that cycle. That is a long, long development Nutty, cycle. Right? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I, I'd say uh, I'm glad that it got completed. You know, I, I'm so grateful to live in a world where this game exists. Um, I'm glad that um, Will Hellworth is the uh, director of the game, and I think he's the lead at Skybound, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Goodbye World Games. Um, I'm so glad that he teamed up with the writer. The writer is uh, Graham Parks, um, a screenwriter, filmmaker, actually based out in L.A. They're both in Southern California. I'm not sure if they met through school specifically, but um, probably running within similar circles within like the film cutting edge gaming L.A. world. Um, seems to be a lot of Santa Monica studios, a lot of like really solid yeah. game development happening in Santa Monica, yeah. which kind of warms my heart um, actually living so close to it. Um, but oh, do yeah. you live in L.A., bro? Oh yeah, did I not mention that, bro? Oh, bro. Yeah, sick. bro. Okay. Um, so um, yeah, I think it, I, I'm glad that it made it through its its uh, troubling development cycle and really really made it all the way to the end here. Yeah. yeah, it would have been such a shame if something like as unique as this and a gem as much as this um, fell through. So I think I think I'd count um, the world <laughs> very lucky that yeah. this one worked out. But going back more into um, initial thoughts too like it really does captivate you immediately right um the game presents itself it's immediately like, like this kind of quirky like interesting thing and the art style is so unique in that it's not like i wouldn't it's almost like surreal right but like yeah especially the like, beginning cartoon surrealism is like the best way i can think to describe it where it's this very unique style and then that style is um you know continues throughout the game and yeah. is like really used to kind of i think it's almost like you know you're playing the game and you're seeing it through a child's eyes right and it's kind of like that's how you view the world when you're younger is like this surrealist thing like you're learning everything and you're experiencing all these new things and it's just it just it's really works. great yeah and I, I think the beginning especially like establishes it really well because the beginning does have a very surrealist feel to it because like you're in a you're in a ferry there's like yes. a giant tower where you're going to be judged at that you can kind of see in the distance the uh, ferryman is is an anthropomorphized like cat dog animal thing talking to you um, and you're a disembodied soul, you know, so it's going to have that kind of that's how the game starts, you know, and then it kind of has like a painting uh, style feel to the art feels very watercolory. Um, yes. No one scene in the game and the game has dozens and dozens of scenes. No one scene is fully fleshed out. There's always a little bit of that edge fluff and fuzz kind of like the kind of fuzz fuzziness that memories have where you don't remember the full picture, but you remember a small tunnel visioned version of a memory. Um, Basically, exactly how you'd recount a memory from your childhood, right? Like yes. you're not going to remember it exactly, but you're going to remember 
um, certain parts or kind of remember what you want to remember and kind of forget what you want to forget. Yeah. Which is very much implemented into the game in the form of repressed memories, which eventually, you know, get uncovered as you play the game. <laughs> Isn't that wild? The game actually, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think that's what's really great about it is um, it, it takes memory very seriously. It takes like memory to all these different places. You actually run through your life and you don't know that I, we're going to jump into the spoiler territory, everybody. So if you want to play this game, you can put, hit pause on the podcast now um, and go play the game and, and come back and listen to this later. But um, you, it's not known that you're a child uh, that that has right. passed away too early yeah. at the very beginning. You actually are shown a version of life that you wish you had, where you wish that you grew up and you wish that you went through all these different things. And it turns out you're kind of lying to the ferryman in the way that you're remembering your own life. And then it's revealed that you did die when you were very young um, due to an unknown, you know, terminal illness and uh you know you you sort of wish that you had this life but you you know you unfortunately did not so you have like so many types of heavy-hearted things going on um you know repressed memory a life that you wish you had that you know those are the kind of feelings that we all kind of have at one point or another i think um and just the childhood terminal illness thing just hits really, really hard, especially when you are that child. So you're experiencing death very early on and you're seeing life slip away from you, um, especially near the end of the game. It's it's very heavy stuff. Un, 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 unbelievably heavy. And I want to get into kind of like the game design a little bit and talk about how that really is implemented into the game. So um, to, to reiterate, as Lucas and I had mentioned previously, you know, the main mechanic in the game is blinking. You use your mouse a little bit, you know, to, to look around, um, to, like, to look around. Yeah. This game would be great in VR. I don't know if there's a VR version, by the way, but that'd be really interesting. I didn't if see was. that. Um, yeah. But you know, the, the main mechanic is blinking. That's how you progress through the story. That's how you uncover certain objects while you're sitting in the memories. And it's not like forgiving in the sense that, oh, you get ample time to explore these memories, right? You may get one line of dialogue and then you start seeing the metronome at the bottom of the screen ticking back and forth, back and forth. And you know, in that moment, fuck, if you I blink, <laughs> yeah, I can't blink. If I blink, the memory's yeah. gone. And I mean, I found myself struggling with this. And I mean, on one note, because I had just taken out my contacts and my eyes were super dry <laughs> <laughs> before I played. So I couldn't really keep them open very long, but it, it makes you engage in the game in a way that isn't really experienced in other games because it's not really that thing of totally. you have to physically stress yourself. You have to cause yourself physical, not harm, but discomfort to stay in the moment and to you know, uncover more of the story, to uncover um, more of the memories that you're diving through to understand what Benjamin Bren's story is. And I mean, I can tell you there are so many points where I was just like, yeah, like, yeah, I know. You're trying like, to figure out. Uh, I know, I know. And, <laughs> and there was even one point too where I was like, maybe if I just like back up out of the screen a little yeah. bit, it'll let me. Basically, if, if, still, like, yeah, if, if your webcam loses track of your eyes for a moment, then it's considered like a blink. So even if you look away or back away or put your head down or something, then it will count that as a blink and you, you leave that memory. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as that's the only real game mechanic, right? Is blinking is taking mm -hmm. the function of clicking. You know, so you move your mouse and then you input a click or an action, quote unquote, um, using a blink, which is an inevitable body function. Uh, the ferryman actually says this is he says, you know, the thing about blinking is that it is inevitable. It will happen. 
eventually. So there's this very natural, slow progression of every time you blink, you move forward in time. Um, and you have to blink, the human body has to. And if you if you want to stay within a moment or get more extra information inside that memory, well, guess what? You have to feel physical bodily discomfort by keeping your eyes open for an extended period of time. And we were yes. just talking about this before we started recording is, you know, what happens when you keep your eyes open for too long, you know, your eyes start watering naturally and your body almost, you know, is in some discomfort and your, your eyes are watering. And, you know, I think this was a, a, a true intention behind the game designers here is, you know how, like they say, if you're not happy, but you start smiling anyway, you're, you trick your brain into thinking that you're happy and it can like release chemicals that are associated with a smile, mm -hmm. even though you're not yeah. happy, you know, it's sort of like a reverse engineering of the feeling. I do think that that was intended with you hold your eyes open for longer, your eyes water and you naturally have a sadness to it because that's your body's, you know, way of being of, of expressing sadness, right? Um, is a tearing up eye. So I think that there's a little bit of like Pavlovian, um, you know, conditioning that, oh my God, I'm crying right now. Or am I? I don't know. I'm in pain though. <laughs> you know, and and uh, it's 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 kind of crazy because the game starts crossing because of the game design because of the blinking mechanic the game starts crossing the line between emotional pain because the game is quite emotional and quite heavy um, between emotional pain and then the physical discomfort or physical pain. Um, it's really a incredible blend that the game hits. I I really really liked it. It it it's 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 amazing. Yeah, there's it's. I don't know why these people and these game reviews are calling it like gimmicky or whatever. I mean, it, the only argument I can give against this game is that there were points where I'm like, I'm very confident I didn't blink, but maybe I like winced a little bit. So it was maybe a little bit of sensitive, but it's a newer technology. You can only be so critical yeah. of it, in my opinion, I think. And for the most part, it did work very well. I can only think of two specific instances where it didn't, where I like I blinked and it missed it. And then yeah. I... Like I was trying to blink at a very specific object and I missed it. Um, it's pretty important yeah. with that I missed, unfortunately. <laughs> but so um, uh, this game was reviewed by Screen Rant, right? I've, right. Kind of, yeah, it yeah. kind of makes sense, you know. It's sort of a hour and a half long, two hour long uh, story driven experience. So it's reviewed by Screen Rant. Scott Baird over at Screen Rant actually compared this uh, to a gimmicky Skyward Sword Wii Motion Plus control, and I, I just got to contest that a little bit um, because I do think that. Uh, you know, something like Zelda or even the Wii in general, where you had to move the Wii remote in a very specific way um, with your body yeah. um, in order to move past a certain obstacle in your way. Um, I get that. You know, it's more of like a problem solving. You know, I got a slash at a 90 degree angle right now, so I'm going to move my body so that I slash at a 90 degree angle. This is like more, I think, hitting the, the heart of it where like something like the, a lot of the Wii games hit a physicality that they were trying to induce in the video game. I think Before Your Eyes is trying to induce something a little more subtle um, in the human experience, which is having to do with our eyes, having to do with, uh, you know, wanting to keep our eyes open for certain moments because, yes. you, you know, you experience moments and you remember things visually. And then when you want to stay in those moments, you want to keep your eyes open and then you're in physical discomfort because you want to live in that moment. That's just uh, a really beautiful concept to, to nail down, I think. And I don't think it's a gimmick. I think it's intrinsic to the experience here. I, I don't... I, I don't know if it can be like necessarily replicated again or if other games will do this or if 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 this is just a once in a lifetime thing with this game but I do think that it just here's the idea here's the experience here's the mechanic it works it works
What I love about it too is that it really plays to the theme of your life flashing before your eyes. Because this is, um, you know, a recently departed soul. This is someone that's died, and you're replaying your life. And the idea, you know, as you blink, your your life flashes before your eyes. Is it's just all very intrinsic and kind of like the stereotypes we hear about, like when someone's getting close to that point of death and things like that. And in that regard, it just works so well. And I, I really do want to compliment the story too, because. I mean, I was immediately drawn into the game in general as well, just because I thought it was a very interesting concept. Um, but up until the point where you find out Benjamin is um, Benny is telling um, not a truthful story at first. Um, up until that point, I was like, oh, I can kind of see how this is going. Like spoilers. And so um, the mom's going to pass. I'm going to pass away. He's going to meet the love of his life. It's going to be all great. It's going to end up being a happy story in the end. But then in kind of almost a not demonic, but like a, a very, when you get called up by the ferryman, there's a very clear tonal shift in the game and the ferryman, well, he presents himself as an ally at first, they suddenly become like this, not antagonistic force, but like, um, this, um, like, um, like the devil on your, or the angel on your shoulder and like the devil on your shoulder yeah. at the same time. Like I'm here to help you, but I know you're lying. Don't fuck with me. You're going to fuck this up for both yeah. of us type of thing. Like you want to end up like, yeah, yeah that was huh? cool. Huh? Yeah. He, he sort of gets the truth out <laughs> yeah. of you. So he's kind of, it's yeah, exactly. He's the, he's the bad cop, but he's, he, he serves a function there to try to get the truth out of you, you know? So totally works. I, I think that, it, yeah, the, well. the story incredibly is well. is really great because there is that sort of 180 that happens where um, you think the story is supposed to be about you kind of going through your life, experiencing um, regular things, uh, getting sick, becoming a great artist, uh, going to art school, becoming famous for it, um, eventually going through some loss with your mother passing away too early, too young, your father suffering through it, you suffering through the trauma of that, um, and then eventually running into your old neighbor who is like the love of your life. And then it turns out none of that happened, you know, and you have to go back and and relive and just feel stuck in this like bed. Um, and turns out you're just a terminally ill kid that um, tried to write a story of your life. And um, oh man, I'm getting chills just thinking about this story. Um, and and the way like the disease that's inside you is is really expressed, doctor's office visits, your mother crying behind closed doors, the emotional turmoil between the mother and the father, again, behind closed doors is there. Everything's there, like all the components of, you know, a, a very, very tough event and a very heavy subject matter like this are shown, you know, and expressed from the perspective of a, of a child. And you're that child. Um, the story is just really, really something. Um, you know, there are no like very famous examples of movies that handle child terminal illnesses. Um, first one that comes to mind is probably like Lorenzo's Oil. I think that most people watch maybe watch that one in high school. Um, but I think this one manages to get the audience a little closer to the to, to home um, because you're literally the child, right? Um, it's mm -hmm. like childhood yeah. illness meets like Pixar art meets like video game i am that guy <laughs> first person so it just kind of right. hits it. the yeah, story kind of hits experience. all the, all the yeah. uh, right spots i think it's really good yeah 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 it, it just it just it hits home and I, i'll be honest i'll say now lucas especially like in the last 20 minutes of this game where you're experiencing you know as we always have mentioned you're experiencing it through the eyes of this child that is terminally ill at this point they know they're dying and you're just overhearing these sad stories with your 
um, not sad stories, excuse me, the overhearing these sad conversations from your family. Um, you have like your childhood friend come and visit you and it's a very set, like heartwarming, but sad exchange. You, the game ha- in a very unique way kind of illustrates the pain the child is experiencing as well with like a very kind of violent, um, like ball of a light, that of kind of light and consuming sa- light you and sound kind of hitting you. Yeah. Light and sound. Um, and it's just so intense. And I remember all throughout that in those last 20 minutes, I was just, yeah, just me too. tearing up the whole time. And even when you get to the ending and in the final ending screen, again, spoilers, um, in the final ending screen, you ultimately get accepted into, you know, this, um, game's version of what is this essentially heaven. Um, you get accepted by the gatekeeper and then the ferryman kind of like on your side again, obviously helping you through all this kind of helping you sort through this trauma is like, you know what yeah. to do. Yeah. Just close your eyes. And then you close your eyes and the music starts playing and you're, you're, you're choking up and you're trying to hold it together. And you don't want to open your eyes because you don't want to leave the moment. Yeah. And it's just, oh my God. I remember even after the game, I was crying for like me too, five me minutes, too. like tearing yeah. up. I had still. to get up. I needed to take a shower. It was horrible. Like, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> you're just like, oh, bro. And then I was like, bro, like I'm not, I, I just already texted you. Yeah. Bro, I'm not okay. <laughs> I actually, so I, I beat it before Matt. Uh, and then I played it one evening uh, after work and just kind of got hit with a like hit by a semi truck of emotion while playing it. And then I think I immediately texted you and I was like, bro, <laughs> this, this, this is crazy. <laughs> and then like I go to sleep later yeah, and Matt so plays good. it that night. And, um, you know, I wake up to the text and it just is like, bro, <laughs> I'm not OK. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really something. Yeah. And, you know, I think that. Um, the the director uh, Will Hellworth uh, he's very um, he's just very thoughtful when it comes to what he is involved in what he creates um, and I actually have an interview I want to bring up a, a quote here from an interview from actually September 2020 that he had for Authority Magazine by uh, Penny Bowder um, so that for those of you that don't know Will Hellworth um, he he runs Goodbye Games he's based out of Santa Monica. Went to USC for, I guess, uh, USC Game School or School of Interactive Design. I'm not sure of the specifics of like what his major was, but it was intro to like, Yeah, this is class, where he basically. kind of discovered um, Oculus, uh, early VR kind of things that were coming on. I think it was like pre-Oculus when like the project was sort of getting introduced to key people in certain industries. I think USC probably had the resources many years ago to kind of showcase uh, early early VR demos and yeah. stuff like that. Um, likely, and yeah. uh, Will got involved in some of that stuff. And, you know, uh, Goodbye World Games is actually primarily focused in the AR VR space. Um, but of course, like Matt said, kind of brought to the fold, um, you know, in a concept or core idea of using the player's eyes as a, as a mechanic for inputs. Um, so obviously, this is the type of person, Will Hellworth, that is, type of person that has a lot of thoughts, uh, clearly a very, very smart individual, has a lot of thoughts about games and their purpose and what they can do and other media in general. Uh, I want to pull up a quote here he has on the mission of games, uh, the purpose of games and his mission. Quote, I think people are very used to media, especially advertising, being manipulative, instructional, and above all, it's one way. While our interactive product isn't the entire focus of our company, it's my focus. For me, the goal is to create media that is a conversation and gives the user real agency, that is aware of the user in a meaningful way and uses that information to provide context for a social experience. I think that people will be expected to be more empowered, more in control of what they engage with and start to demand that from the companies that make them feel manipulated. 
I I think that above all, uh, what makes Before Your Eyes really, really great for me, taking all this into account, is that it's sincere. Um, it's truly a sincere story, you yes. know, and we've played games that aren't as sincere, you know, stuff that's a little on the nose, kind of like silly, self-referential. Take, in, take into account, you know, something that has a really great story like a um, like a Stanley Parable, right, or like an Alan Wake even. Um, actually, has a pretty decent story, uh, kind of thinking back on it more. You know, those stories are not necessarily sincere. You know, they're a little like self-referential, ironic. Um, they're a little, they're, they're against naivety. Um, they're against gooiness and kind of sentimentality and stuff like that. They're, they seem to be a lot of, right, a lot of yeah. things. And this is kind of a trait of like the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of media that we had back then especially popular television shows, being sentimental was like a death sentence. It was corny. It's lame. It's not cool. You don't do that. And then you start seeing more television shows emerge, more popular media emerge later that really leans into sentimentality and sincerity. Um, and I think that this is just the perfect sentimental game. Um, it, it hits all the right points. Um, it's not trying to be heady or self-referential. There's no trick to it, really. Um, it's a genuine story. It has heart, it has highs, it has lows, it has redemption, and it makes you smile at the end. It's not leaving you with a sour taste in your mouth. It's mm -hmm. not a tragedy. Um, I mean, it is a tragedy, right? Um, like in the in just the yeah. by nature of it being a, a death of a sick child, but it's not. It, it's ultimately redeeming too, and very hopeful. Um, and I think that Will Hellworth, after even reading his kind of mission on games, he's very he cares about these kind of things. He cares about people feeling not not feeling manipulated and feeling empowered when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I definitely felt after I played this game um, that I, I felt I felt good afterwards. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I've made it pretty clear on this podcast in the past as well. I'm a huge fan of agency and games and kind of getting to control your experience in this game. And while. It's, this is this is kind of interesting, right? Because you do have a lot of agency in the game, but for the most part, the for most of the part, the the story in the game itself is actually very linear. But the way you operate within that story and the way how you get to kind of choose the pace of the game, excuse me, the way you get to choose the pace of the game, the way you get to choose what um, specific parts of the memory you interact with, all based on how long you can, um, you know, um, it, in a sense, endure the memories, right? And how long you can keep your eyes open and manage that uncomfortability to stay in the moment and stay in the memory. That's such a unique take and a unique way to provide agency in games. Because typically when you think of agency in games, right? You're thinking of mm -hmm. like a Telltale game, right? Or like a choose your own adventure of, game, like an oxen free. Um, yeah. Choose your adventure, like, or Detroit Become Human, something like that. Or like, um, <laughs> shit, was the other one we played? Oh, uh, Doki Doki. I don't remember what it was called. Oh, way out. Um, Doki oh, way Doki, out. Yeah. Oh, way out. And Doki Doki, right? Yeah. These are games that present um, agency through choice, whereas this is a game that presents agency. I'm not sure what the right word for it would be, but agency through experience that's very yeah, that's very in of itself. Yeah, true. Through interaction. Um, I'm not sure if that's the best descriptor but i think you understand what i'm getting at it's experiencing agency in a totally different way rather than choosing a or b you're experiencing a but in your own unique way every time you play the game or you run through the story which i think is just such a interesting spin on gaming in general and uh, something i love to see as i love seeing agency yeah, in games that's so awesome i love it um and I, I completely agree with you too you know it's not agency by choosing choices on a dialogue tree it's agency by nature of like human interaction with things 
right? Looking and l- looking at blinking. And by nature of human natural right, human right. bodily functions, so right? Like, like I mean, they say at the very yeah. beginning, like yeah. you're gonna you're Everyone gonna blink, to blink, right? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, yeah. All right, man. I mean, I think we've covered a lot of the uh, points here, just inadvertently. Um, I think we hit uh, game design. We actually did hit art style, sound design. I I do want to mention on art style too, really quickly. I love kind of at least is kind of the sense I got from it with the way the art style is and the blinking mechanism and how it kind of, it's almost like flipping through pages of a book. I, I kind of felt like as I blinked, I was flipping through pages of a children's oh, book. Oh, I like I that. Was I like really that take. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, it does feel like yeah. that because it's very saturated. Um, it's very colorful and watercolory too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can, it kind of has that children's book allure, I'd say. So that, yeah, it's a good point. Um, art mm-hmm. style. I mean, yeah. I think I said it earlier. Um, it's got a great uh, cartoony cell shaded surrealist feel um obviously that children's book style and i don't think it really would have worked any other way i think a realism style just would have been wouldn't have been great i think if they tried to lean into that might have been a little bit like of an uncanny valley um but here it's just a perfect kind of uh you know if you get emotional over pixar movies you you get emotional over this game you know what i mean it's it's like if if you cried during toy story 3 you will ball. I mean, everyone cried during Toy Story 3, right? You're heartless if you didn't. <laughs> I think the people that gave this, this, uh, this game will score hit. This definitely did not cry at the end of Toy Story 3. Probably They probably played they, without their webcams yeah, yeah. and were just blinking. Cl- you clicking on their mouse. Or with, yeah. we're just using their, excuse me, using their not, mouse uh, and clicking. Not, a, not yeah. a fan of that. Um, all right, moving on to the NPC award. All right, Matt, what do you got for the NPC award? Yes um it has to be your 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 bff yep chloe like it um such an endearing character and i love the i love what they do with her character right because it's such a trope from like movies or really kind of any medium whether it's book games or what have you or tv shows where you know you you meet the childhood friend that you kind of had a thing with when you're younger but you're so young obviously you're not gonna act on it as kids and then you meet again when you're in your 20s and Hey, you wanna you're at a work event like hey do do you want to get a yeah. drink after this and just like catch up like that's such a trope and I, like i like that when i saw that because i was enjoying the story but when i saw that at the same time i almost kind of yeah. like rolled my eyes a little bit like oh, of I course like it works but all right piano from next door but i didn't know she wrote the actual music she was a genius like mother like son i guess hey so not to be forward, but what are you doing after this? Maybe we could get a drink or something? And then it totally twists that once the ferryman asks you to start like, all right, now give me your real story. Like no more BS, right? And it's revealed that, you know, the player, player's character, Benjamin, he gives them their feelings or he portray or he gives a note to Chloe to um, explain his feelings, being like, you're my first love. Or he writes that in a story rather that Chloe ends up reading. And then in his Chloe's final visit to him as he's laying on his, you know, he's terminally ill at this point, basically laying on his deathbed. She goes, all right, well, I have a gift for you. And, you know, don't 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 open it while yeah. I'm in here. I, I, that'd be a little weird. But all right, here you go. And I'll, I'll see you later. OK. And then she leaves and you open the letter she gives you. And it just says you you were my to, or to the weird kid in this is like yeah. oh, you were my first love too. And then at that point, like 
It's just yeah. It, it's just waterworks. I had to call. I had to call my landlord. Be like, get, we need, dude. We need it's, flood it's control good too, out here. Her, <laughs> it was just as bad. As an NPC, she's very well handled, like psychologically. I think because the implication is that her mother died of mm-hmm. either cancer or some sort of terminal illness too, and so she's very avoidant. Right. Like she's super doesn't really want to visit you and is like very you're like kind of afraid to tell her these kinds of things. Uh, You avoid her. She kind of avoids you. She's upset with you. And then it kind of comes forward where she says, like, hey, this is not new to me. Like I experienced all this with my mom, you know, and like. And that she and the way she conveys or conveys that too and explains it is very much like how a 12 year old too like a 12 year old would explain it too or however old they are like 11 10 it's not like um they don't like go into it like look i understand yeah like, it's, it's a like, very like non-analytical before, way of man, saying that like, they, i get of empathizing you know and she even like even her yeah. note to you she doesn't say i love you she says you were my first love too it's almost like a third person way of saying it it's very like indirect which is part of her her psychology, right? And she even says mm-hmm. like, "Don't read this until I leave." So she leaves, and then you get a note that says that she loved you, but she doesn't even say "I I loved you." She says, "You were my first love," which is like just a little bit of a subtle enough difference to inform her character and play on her character enough. It's just it's done really really well, right? And I do want to mention to the voice acting, I thought for her, really, really all good. the characters in general are just really good, but. I love the fact that like she actually sounded yeah. like a 12 year old kid, right? Or a 10 year old or however old they were like, they actually sounded like a kid. Cause I mean, this is a really bad example, but like, an anime <laughs> so is it, okay. Anime reference. And they, like like every, like full grown every adult. episode. Or even in like normal cartoons, like American cartoons, like young kids. Yeah. yeah really I sound like young kids all the time necessarily, but this voice actor, I'm not sure. I don't know their name, but hats off to you. I think you crushed um, yeah, the cadence and the voice. And all right. My NPC award. Right. Uh, another deep psychological uh, character, actually the dad. Um, I don't know if I caught the dad's name uh, anywhere. I'm not sure if you would have caught it anywhere, Matt, but um, I think he's handled very well as a character. Um, he shows a lot of classic dad traits. He shows frustration. Um, he shows uh, compromise in the face of obviously the worst thing a parent can undergo, a sick child, right? He handles it. He sort of absorbs everything. And just kind of smiles through it and like, hey, bud, how are you doing? How you doing? You're doing great. You know, it's sort of a classic dad thing, right? right? Yeah. Uh, it's not, he's not overly emoting anything. Um, he's like a rock, right? He just, everything hits him and sinks. Um, and it's, it's like, you know, one might portray a dad character like that as like repressed or unemotional, but I think it like draws that really great line where it's a realistic take on a dad. You know, to be strong, to try their hardest to like not emote too much because that's not what the moment calls for. The moment calls for you to be as stoic and as like smiley as possible through it all. Um, And then, I mean, the dad has my runner up moment, runner up for favorite moment. Um, This is actually the part that really hit hard for me is in the first the first part where you're living through the life that you wish you had when your mom passes away. You're trying to paint and you can't seem to do it. And then your dad calls you up and says, son, I got to sell the house. And he says, like, I, your mom's everywhere and I, I just can't live here anymore. I, I got to you, you got to come and pick up your stuff. And it's like he's so dead. Like it's so it hurts so bad to hear him like call like that because he's like, yeah, kind of a stoic guy the whole time. And that's like the biggest moment of weakness for him. And it's through a voicemail. 
Um, and it's like at the moment where you can't possibly be strong anymore, you know? And I think it was just really, really great NPC moment for that guy. Yeah. And again, so much of this is portrayed so well through like the voice acting and like, yeah, like you mentioned, like he's so clearly kind of like, he yeah, can't put on yeah. the face anymore. Like he's just done. Right. Um, and it, it's oh, done so extremely, extremely well. Um, and very, a lot of credit to these voice actors, I think on all accounts, not just like, chloe or for sure um the dad but everyone killed it i think all right um, i think i companion I, piece i know what yours is so i'm, I'm excited I'm to do this. your let's do yours first i'm gonna give yeah. you the darkest dark horse companion piece pick mm -hmm. we've probably ever had on thanks for playing okay 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 sick 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 so um my companion piece this is actually a movie uh lucas introduced to me I'm um, actually borrowed it from him Crit from the Criterion. Centurion film collection. Centur right? You were close. Criterion. <laughs> Criterion from the Criterion film collection. Um, a movie called Boyhood, which <clears throat> for those that aren't familiar with this film, it is a film 12, shot 12 over years. the course of Luke's yeah. help me out here. 20 you were close. Years? 12 years. <laughs> no, no. 12 years. Um, either way, remarkable for a movie to be shot over the course of 12 years. And what this movie does that's so different from the others is it follows one character through or not, one care, one child through their life from boyhood into adulthood when they go off to college. And it follows this same character and it has the same cast. And you get to essentially watch these characters grow up slowly over time and kind of get to see how they develop into humans. And what's really unique about this movie, too, is like, you know, the 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 plot and the um like the script wasn't static it, it wasn't set in stone you know they would talk to these people as they were um you know going growing up and be like okay well what are you right. into right now like how can we integrate this into the character like you know what tv shows you like and i never forget i think at one point either it was either like a poster or they were watching something but i saw like he Dragon was Ball the Z age there on the that kids, you were excuse me in the kids room and i was like yeah and that's what really hit me about this movie too is like when it came out it like basically in the era that he's existing in like the 2000s, like we would have been the same age. So it's kind of like, Oh, this guy's yeah. basically into the exact same things I was at that age. So it just really, really resonated with me. And I remember it, when it gets to the end, there's this one specific scene I'll never forget where I'm another character in the, in the movie, the mom has a very kind of tumultuous life going through lots of divorces, unfortunately, and multiple marriages. And when the kid's about to go off to college and the mom's just kind of sitting alone in her apartment, she has a little breakdown and she says, oh, I just yeah. thought there'd be and more. And then the scene this. cuts. <laughs> I thought there'd be more. And the scene cuts and the kid goes off to college. And I don't know, something about that just hit me because, I mean, every little part of this movie resonated with me from the the kid being the same age I would have been going through all these things to that final um, line yeah. from the mom being like, I thought there'd be more to life than this. Um and it's just it, it hits you so remarkably because I think especially I mean, Lucas and I are both in our you know mid 20s. We're young adults. And I think we're always thinking about like how we can capitalize on life and how we kind of don't want to end up with that mentality. Right. Um, so things like that kind of hit home um, and just really resonate. And I think I highly recommend, you know, even though I kind of spoiled a lot of it just now. Well, not really, but I highly recommend if you haven't watched the movie Boyhood. Um, go watch it. It's a longer movie, like two yeah. and a half hours, I think two hours, 40 minutes, but I guarantee you it is a remarkable film and one that'll stick with you for a long time. Like 60%, and now it's a hundred. 
Just visit the computer. Well, sounds like he'll be a good roommate then. Yeah. But we've pretty much decided that soon they won't even need a questionnaire, because they'll just let the NSA scan your digital ghost and they'll tell you who your roommate is based on everything you've ever said, written, or clicked. Did you... Did you put this in here again? <laughs> I don't want it. Come on, it's the first picture you ever took. Well, I mean, all the more reason to leave it behind, right? What? Nothing. No, what is it? It's nothing. Mom. This is the worst day of my life. What are you talking about? I knew this day was coming. I just, I didn't know you were going to be so fucking happy to be leaving. I mean, it's not that I'm that happy. What, what do you, what do you expect? You know what I'm realizing? My life is just going to go like that. This series of milestones. Getting married, having kids, getting divorced. The time that we thought you were dyslexic when I taught you how to ride a bike. Getting divorced again, getting my master's degree, finally getting the job I wanted. Sending Samantha off to college, sending you off to college. You know what's next, huh? It's my fucking funeral. Just go and leave my picture. Aren't you jumping ahead by like 40 years or something? I just thought there would be more. Yeah, one of my favorites too. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that you watched that one, Matt, when I recommended it. Um, Richard Linklater, a phenomenal director. Actually does that sort of style with a lot of his really? movies okay. too. Um, he's got, he's got um, a trilogy called The Before Trilogy. Uh, before sunrise, before sunset, and then before midnight, um, following a couple at various stages of their partnership. So in the very first movie, uh, came out in I think 95 or 92. No, I think it might might have come out in 95. They meet for the first time very young on a train. Uh, seven years later, the next movie comes out. Same actors, seven exactly seven years later within That's the sick. story as well. Then the third movie comes out seven years after that. Same actors, same same characters, that. same thing. So uh, long form exploration of our lives. Um, so I guess that's the theme of of Before Your Eyes. That's a, that's a kind of a thesis of uh, the director, Richard Linklater. So shouts out to him. Uh, my companion piece pick, Matthew, are you I'm ready? Primed and ready. All right. I, I, knew, I, I knew you'd pick Boyhood. Okay. So I need to go with something different. Something just that that's just way different. All right. All right. I'm going with an absolute classic okay. this is a film horrendously underrated okay. okay the 2006 tragic comedy okay with a criminal 34 percent on rotten tomatoes starring do you know what i'm <laughs> talking about yet kate beckinsale christopher walken and adam sandler is it click I'm talking about oh. click. <laughs> yes. i actually never saw click <laughs> Okay, but okay. I'm familiar with. The I saw Click. Of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's 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 got the whole. For those of you that haven't seen Click, I'd be very. I, at least everyone has seen the trailer for Click because I feel like this trailer was. It was just an extremely popular movie for the time. Um, actually had a uh, budget of like 
uh, 60 or 80 mil around that range and like box office, like 240 mil, some insane amount. It's tremendously successful financially movie. And um, I mean, it's got Christopher Walken in it. Come on. <laughs> Just you got to watch it. Um, life passing you by you trying to get to the good moments all the time. You thinking that certain moments are more important than others when it's really those little moments um, that, that, that make up life that are the good ones or the moments that you forget are really the more important moments in life. Um, I'm a sucker for that kind of theme. Um, and I'm a sucker for Adam Sandler himself. So everybody out there, if you learn anything from this podcast episode, just don't let life pass you by too fast. Um, remember that, um, you know, life is made up of the minutia and the boring moments just as much as it's made up of those exciting moments, despite what most popular pieces of media will lead you yes. to believe. Yeah. Treasure everything, right? It's not just the big things we got to pay attention to in life, but it's the little things, all those little culminations, you know, the, that dinner you shared with your family one night, that was, there was like a particularly funny joke told her, um, that night you went to go see the movies with your friends, like little things like that, or that extra, whatever it may be that happened in your life that day. Those little things is what make up life. And in combination with the grandiose things, obviously as well, like the landmark achievements. But you know, it's it's, it's the the catch-all phrase, right? Uh, appreciate the little things, right? Yeah, right. So, all right. So, last uh, one of the last categories here, we got favorite moment. Let's hear it, Matt. <clears throat> I already kind of spoiled it um, when Chloe gives him the note, Benjamin, the note saying that um, they were her first love as well. Um, so heartwarming. I balled up. And just everything in it, kind of like the sadness in the scene, the sadness in her voice, kind of when she like is like, "Hey, I get it. I know it's happening." It it just it just hits. It, it just hits. Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite moment is just the very very end, which I think we talked about already. Um, it's just so you know you blink the whole time in order to do the inputs, but at the very end you actually close your eyes completely. Um, and there's this little thing where the ferryman says, "Just go ahead and close your eyes." You know, like it's going to be fine. And you close your eyes and that's when like you hear the final line of dialogue, which is the somebody, I think it's the ferryman. Go, he goes, why is he smiling? <laughs> or like, he's look, he's smiling. And uh, so it's so good because like I was actually smiling when that was said. And you close your eyes for the duration until the credits hit and the music starts. So the game only ends when you close your eyes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of kind of genius, if you ask me. Uh, so that was probably a favorite moment. That was a favorite moment for me. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. When he was just 11 years old, he got sick and was forced to stay inside for an entire year. And in that year, he began to worry that he hadn't lived enough. So he made up a story of the great life he thought he wanted to live, which only made him forget the great life he already had. How he had filled a new home with light and joy and promise. How he met a girl, his neighbor, who felt all alone in the world and made her feel okay again. And how, even when he was sick, he still gave his parents hope. How he reminded them exactly who they were after they had almost forgotten. So when he knew he was going to go, he was okay because he'd already lived a great life, a full life. And he was everything he needed to be, just as he was.
close your eyes now and keep them closed. <laughs> She's gonna let you in. Go on. You know what to do. Cool. All right. Um, any nitpicks on your end, Lucas? Honestly, I don't have any nitpicks. Um, I I didn't have. This is my personal experience. I didn't have any issues with. Um, Why is he the, like that? Uh, calibration with the blinking uh, it worked the entire time for me um, I had a great setup with my computer uh, my headphones were good I mean all the technical aspects of the game being played were just good um, no nitpicks for me with the story obviously uh, and I, I don't I don't view the blinking as a gimmick whatsoever yeah same boat I had um just a couple small issues not like personally small issues but just a couple little inconsistencies on how well I was tracking my blinking but I, I at first I was kind of like going to dock it for that. But when I think about all the other games that we've played for this podcast and like all the other little issues they have, um, that's like nothing compared. That's something that lightly interrupted yeah. my experience two times over the course of a two and a half hour experience. Like really not an issue at all. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, all right. So um, we got would you play other games from this developer, Matt? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, me as well. Um, I, I cannot wait to see what other stuff comes out, especially as, you know, we just released an episode on Anything's Possible for, about VR uh, and specifically therapy in VR. Go check that out, episode out. I think by the time this is aired, that episode will have been out already. So everybody can kind of go back in the feed and check it out. Um, I, I'm i so excited to see, like, if this is the kind of genius stuff that's being thought about in the VR space, um, I'm so looking forward to what we're going to be seeing later on. Uh, yeah. So goodbye, world. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Will, keep doing what you're doing. I think you're going to be a new phenomenal leader in interactive art. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. And phenomenal game. And not just in games. I mean, actually, this is kind of the game, only game I can think of that has elicited such an emotional response from me, actually. Um, but for me, it's pretty rare to have anything kind of affect me the way this game did in the moment, at yeah. least um, kind of keep me thinking about it. And this I can already tell, like there's a few games we played for the podcast that really stick with me just for how uniquely we're not especially were in retrospect. One of them being Outer Wilds, another one being um, Killer Seven, uh, games like Doki Doki, mm -hmm. things like that are just so unique to me. And this one is going to absolutely join the upper echelon for me and upper ranks of just how All incredible right. it is. Hell yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, now it's time for our rating. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, it's the classic thanks for playing rating system. We're taking my score and your score out of 10 and adding them up. And that is the game score out of 20. Yes. Okay. Um, and it'll supersede all other scores, obviously, especially these stupid Eurogamer and Edge scores right here. <laughs> okay, Matt. Um, on three or on one. We will give our rating for the game. Okay. Three, two, one. Ten. Ten. Ah. Yeah, I knew it. I mean, come on. I, I, we love this game. If you didn't expect that at the end of this episode, you're a fool. The only thing it I, was an incredible ten out of ten game. The only thing I could possibly dock it for, like I mentioned in the picks, was the blinking needing, at least on my end, maybe a little extra calibration. But with all the other issues in games we've played, I mean, for fuck's sake, I gave Cyberpunk an eight. That's like forever going to be a like and the, that forever is going to be a stain on my like rating credibility within this podcast um it's okay but <laughs> incredible game i like i just mentioned there i'm typically i find myself to be pretty stoic 
when I like engage in art, even if it's like something that's affecting me internally, like I won't typically react to it that much. Um, not only, I mean, th- this just blew me away and I was not expecting to find myself bawling the way I was. I knew I was expecting yeah, an emotional game, but to find myself crying the final 20 minutes of the game and like an extra five or 10 minutes, even after the credits were rolling, just reflecting on it is remarkable. And there's not a lot of, you know, art today, whether that's video games, books, TV show, or film, I think that can hit us like the way this game um, hit myself. And I think hit Lucas completely well. agreed. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. All right. So that puts this game that awards this game officially with the Mickey Legrand Coates oh! Award for Excellence in Video Game Design. It's so powerful. It is so powerful. Thank you, Mickey Legrand Coates, for uh, for being awesome and um, being our friend with a cool name and naming a game award after. I don't even think cool Mickey name. has actually heard uh, an episode where a Mickey Legrand Coates Award. No, he hasn't. He has listened to some, to be fair, but yeah, he hasn't listened to any of our tens. I remember I told him, like, hey, yo, Mickey. Check out, check out the most recent episode. I think when we did Undertale or one of the other yeah. games, we gave a 10 out of 10. But yeah, um, really quickly, as Lucas and I give our outros here, I do want to, if anyone's in the chat still, you have the opportunity to do a little um, questioning if you'd like. Um, you have about Q&A. Little, you have about one minute while Lucas and I finish up here. So if you get anything out in that minute, we'll, we'll answer. Um, but all right, everyone, uh, for the most part, I think that's all we got today. Um, again, Matt. You can find us online. I don't know. Uh, that was that. me prompting. I, I was prompting I you for the map. Where can they find us online? Um, the, you can find us online as always at TFP podcast. That's TFP podcast with an S at the end on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can find us. Uh, you can email us. Thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. TikTok. Thanks for playing pod. <laughs> Forgot that we're on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. And um, as I mentioned, we are on Stitcher now. So if you want to go back and revisit through Stitcher, if that's your favorite podcast and listening app, um, there you go. And as well, well, Discord. We have Discord now. Um, go ahead and drop a join the Discord. You can find it in our link tree, which is also in both our Twitter and our Discord. Um, a great way to stay in touch with me and Lucas, and as well as the TFP Army. The Thanks for Playing Squad. We're still, right. still workshopping that exact um, language we're going to use for that one. But join the Discord. It's been fun. We're already getting a little interaction there. Shout outs to um, Orion, Orion, for um, pointing out to play Eternal to us. I really do want to play that game. Returnals. Uh, Returnals. Um, I, it's really, are you familiar with it? It's like a really sick roguelike. It looks it's like. a PS5 uh, exclusive and it's a roguelike. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the few. Yes. And I'm a very, I am very excited to play. I heard IGN talking about it. I just, you know, I just, there needs to be a PS5 available to buy. Uh, apparently, it's, <laughs> apparently it's very hard. Still very difficult. So I'll, yeah. I think we'll be lucky if we get them in the next year and a half or two years. Yeah. And then the game's point. And then the game is just sounds from what I hear, extremely difficult itself. So getting yeah. a PS5. It does sound very hard. Sounds yeah. hard. Uh, playing this game. <laughs> the game sounds, sounds hard. hard. not harder. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. It might be a little while before we actually get an opportunity to do this one. But uh, looking yeah. forward to to that. Thank you for the suggestion, Orion. Yes. And then if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at Matthew, And follow our YouTube channel. Thanks for playing. Lucas, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitch. Twitter and Instagram, not really on uh, Twitter. So actually, I, I think I might have deactivated that one recently. Anyway, uh, at Good Idea Lucas, uh, check me out. Slide into the DMs, uh, respond to my story, swipe up, whatever you gotta do. 
uh, to get a hold of me. Hit me with a game suggestion. Hit me with your favorite game. What has been the most controversial opinion I've ever had, in your opinion, on this show? Let me know. Oh, I love it. Hey, everyone, this has been Thanks for Playing. Catch you next time. Skip it a bop. Thanks for Playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch Red Circle. 